this gospel of the kingdom shall be spread across the Welcome to the Kingdom Voice broadcast with Dr. Dana Carson. Today's message is coming from the powerful series, Kingdom Builders. In today's message, Dr. Carson teaches us that God leads us through mental and spiritual reformations to get things done in the message entitled, Getting It Done, coming from Haggai chapter 1, verse 12 through chapter 2, verse 9. God deals with them through the prophet Haggai and his contemporaries uh, Zechariah, and this this uh, the short book of Haggai is a very powerful book. I really wish I had time to really just run you and walk you through that book because it's so powerful. But it's uh, the content of the book is uh, covenant theology. You hear that when he says, "I brought you out of Egypt." He's acting like that's the generation that just left. But that's how powerful a covenant is with God. See, there are some things that are happening in your life and you don't realize it. It's because something God promised your mom and your daddy, you know, your grandmother, your grand. You don't realize that. Uh, that he made a covenant with them. You know, God still covenants with his people. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Some of us. Being knuckleheads, disobedient, and our grandparents, great-grandparents and parents, they prayed for us, and God told them, I'm going to save them. You, they said, Lord, I'm going to do this for you, and just, Lord, will you just please take care of my children? Will you not let their minds go to drugs and violence? And, and you don't realize that God operates on the basis of covenant. Not emotions. Because there are a whole bunch of people that need deliverance and God's not going to give it to them. Now, so this book is about covenant theology. It's about the, the re restoration of the temple. It's about kingdom economics, how, how economics works in the kingdom. Then it's also about structure, the necessity of structure. So we've talked about the context, talked about the content. But now when we talk about the temple, which uh, is a dominant theme here, uh, in chapter 1, it's about the, the rebuke for not prioritizing the restoration of the temple. And then in chapter 2, it talks about the glory, the, the, the latter glory of the temple. So God says when it's restored, you're going to see a glory on it that you didn't see on it the first time. You know, uh, there is something uh, about going through something and coming out. Now, now that, that, there is something about uh, meeting God having gone through a lot 
then walking with God, going through a lot, and then coming out. The heaviness of God, the kavod, the glory, the weightiness of God is different in your life after you've been through. Are you with me? When, when you have never gone through anything, God is good. But when you have gone through something, God is no longer just good. He's greater. Y'all not hearing me? He goes from good to greater. Because the, the conflict, the situation that you were in, the predicaments that were unwanted, but they were astronomical in that you did not have the natural abilities to cope nor change them. And so then when the enemy thought he had you and you had no alternatives, you had no options, your intellect had failed, your money had failed, your relationships had failed, your natural and physical strength had failed. But then out of nowhere comes a power that is greater than the great that you were going through. And now God is greater. Thus you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And when you have gone through something, there is another level of glory on your life. There's another level of appreciation on your life. There's another shout in your life. There's another praise in your life. There's another level of seriousness in your life. Now, 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 God said that the latter glory would be more powerful than the former. This is encouraging because it suggests that regardless of the situation I'm in and how overwhelming my predicament may seem, I got, I have in store for me a greater weight of glory. That means because I'm going through, I do not have to allow my present, day, my present day pain and suffering to have me to look back down memory lane and say to myself, my better days are over. And now I'm preparing for my death. When they thought the temple was through, it was not through. When it lied dormant for years, it was not through. God said, I'm not through working in this house. My Shekinah glory will be in this house. It will be a place of peace. It will be a place of deliverance. It will be a place of transformation. And the Bible says that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost. And your body went and through some things and many of you were laying in ruin for so many years and God did not get the glory out of your life. You were stagnant. But I come to tell you that there is a prophetic word that God said the latter glory glory will be greater than the former and your better days are ahead of you not behind you 
to your neighbor, say it's not over till it's over. Come on, tell somebody, don't be messing with me. I'm just getting started over again. My ladder will be greater than my former. Come on, tell somebody, say, my ladder will be greater than my former. Now give them high five and tell them, yeah, yeah. Y'all sit on down. Listen. Oh. Listen. Listen. Y'all sit on down. My, 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 my. It's not over. Listen. Come on, tell somebody, say, I'm getting better with age. Come on, say, I used to have seasoning on me. Now I got seasoning all in me. (laughs) How many of you, how many of you have ever had some food that was cooked, good food, and it was delicious, but you ate it the next day? After the seasoning was able to just Marinate all through it. Look to your neighbor and say, My ladder will be greater than my former. Come on, tell him I was seasoned on the outside, but now I'm getting it all on the inside. <laughs> listen. Okay, listen, listen. Let, let, let me. Let me. Let, let me. Y'all have to come to Sunday night service for that. Now, now. Okay, listen. Okay, listen. Okay, now. So now, the cause of the house of God. Uh, why is God's house such a major theme in Haggai? Why is the house of God important today? It was interesting as we listened to the Georgie show, as we heard uh, a multiplicity of explanations for going or not going to the house of God. Um, it's, it's in, it was very interesting. Uh, gentlemen argued the importance of going to the house of God. And then she said, do you go? Well, no, 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 uh, not, not yet. I'm, I'm going to look for one. You know, uh, when I, um, that phenomena, phenomenon is uh, very, very common. When I was doing my first doctoral dissertation for Boston University, uh, it was a national study, and it was with African-American men in the church, out of the church, on prison campuses, I'm excuse me, on prisons and college campuses, and so I did a hybrid study that was quantitative and qualitative data. 
And one of the qualifications for uh, some of the quantitative data was that you uh, had to not be a part of a church. So we had to make sure, do you go to church? Are you not a part of church? No. Then we asked on the, on the, on the uh, uh, questionnaire, what church you go to? I go to Mount Pisma. Uh, now, this is what, <laughs> this is what uh, they would say in order to take the survey, I don't go to church. And then when they take the survey, it was too painstaking for them to say, I do not belong to a church. I told my wife, uh, there she is, okay. I told my wife, I said, what happened to her? I told my wife, um, when we were sitting here, I said, I need you to uh, uh, write this down because I just got an unction for a series. I said, I want to do a series called Always Hearing But Never Doing. The danger of sitting under good teaching. So anyway, that's the series I'm going to teach. So now, but so, but what is the real significance of God's house? Number one, it is a depot. You know, we listen, we have office depot, home depot, you know, restaurant depot, depot.com. You have all kinds of depots. So when you say, well, Dr. Carson, you say uh, it's a depot, what do you mean? Well, uh, the word depot comes from a Latin word, means to deposit. So when we start talking about the house of God, we know that from a kingdom perspective, it's an embassy. It's an extension of God's kingdom that's not of this world on foreign terrain. We, so we know it's an embassy, and we know that ambassadors, fivefold ministry gifts, is particularly apostles who establishes those embassies, work out of the, the church and, uh, and ministry. But now, it is also a depot, and the depot is a storage installation for military equipment and supplies. It's a station for assembling military recruits and then forwarding them to active units. Very good description. You get saved, you come in here, you get trained, equipped for the work of ministry, and then you get assigned active ministry. So you come here, the house of God is a depot, and then it is where you come for doctrine. Paul writes to Timothy and says that the house of God is the pillar of truth. So uh, it's where you come and get doctrine. You're not supposed to learn what the scripture teaches uh, on Jerry Springer. He's not an authorized dealer. Are, are you hearing me? See, this is, this is the problem. You have to understand, um, when you have a luxury vehicle, and that's when you know you ghetto. You ghetto when you buy a Mercedes and don't have a garage. That's ghetto, okay? You know, you ghetto when you buy a high-end vehicle and then you take it to the corner, engineer, uh, to the corner mechanic. 
talking, then run around talking about I bought this car because it holds its value. Well, once Joe the mechanic touched it, it just lost all of its value. Okay, why? Because he's not an authorized mechanic for Mercedes-Benz. You want to keep the value up, the books up, it has to be by authorized mechanics. Now, if you buy a high-end vehicle like that and you allow uh, a corner shop shade tree mechanic to mess with that high-end car, it can void the warranty. See, here is the problem with saints. You have shade tree mechanics working on your spiritual life and they're causing your warranties to be void. They're unauthorized dealers. They do not know how to work on you. Uh, okay, all right, all right, all right. And so you can't just listen. You just can't take your life anywhere and have people speaking into it. The Bible, okay, the Bible says, Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. You don't just let anybody talk to you. It's, it's amazing to me how in other fields and industries you have to have certifications. You have to demonstrate that you have mastered a subject matter for a thing. Y'all not hear me for a thing. Just to work on pipes, you've got to have a plumbing license. You have to be a, a, a licensed plumber, a light, a lights, things, a licensed electrician. You're going to work on roads and highways, a certified engineer. You're going to practice law. You have to pass the law, the, the, the bar. You, you, the, you're going to uh, practice medicine. You got to pass the medicine, the, the, the board certification. Now, but when it comes to preaching the word of God, all you have to do is have your big toe each itch three days in a row. I told the Lord, take that itch away. And I said, Lord, if it's you, make the next toe itch. And the next day I woke up, my toe was itching. I started crying, and God told me to preach. And so I don't listen. I don't care what man say. I'm, 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 God told me to preach. What you going to preach? I'm going to preach the word. What word? What, what word? You know how many words in 66 books? What, what word? Now, here's the problem. Problem is... God's people perish because of lack of knowledge, because my people reject knowledge. Hosea 4 and 6, that's not a lay word, that's a leader word. He was talking about the priest, not the layman. Listen, if you're called to minister, the first thing God is calling you to do is to prepare. He's not calling you to see yourself on the stage. He's calling you to see yourself studying late at night. Rising early in the morning, writing papers, reading books. He's, he's calling you to prepare. You Listen, Dr. Chazon's a, a, a psychologist. Well, she has a Ph.D. in psychology. Sister Synovia, she has how many children? Three. And they all grown. She has experience. Dr. Chazon don't have one kid. She got mother wit, but she can't counsel. 
because she ain't certified. She ain't board trained. Y'all not talking to me. Now, she may tell her kids what to do, but ain't nobody else trying to hear. No problem. You know what I mean? I think you're a very wise woman. Listen, listen. But now, do you understand what I'm saying? So, this is where you're supposed to come and get doctrine. You're not going to find an authorized dealer under the tree outside somewhere. He's going to be somewhere in one of God's houses. Okay. okay. Now, so then the third thing is for discipleship. The, the house of God is for discipleship. So then what is the call of this text? And discipleship is where we develop people in their walk with God. Okay, so now we teach them how to obey what God has commanded. So now, what is the call of this text? The call of this text, number one, is to restore the house of God. I want you to know that in the spirit, the house of God has become a mockery in the uh, secular world's mind. Not all of them, but by and large, are the general gist of how people feel about churches is that ain't nothing happening in there. That it's an entertainment center. It's a place where the preacher want all your money. Uh, it's just a big, it's a big fashion show. Uh, it's full of clicks and etc. Uh, it's up to the remnant of God to restore God's house because the church. Is extremely important. And I don't have time to really teach it like I want to. But I want you to understand. In colonization. In the colonization of any empire. One of the first things that they establish. Is the power and the spirit of religion. In that movement. Because it helps the people. To have a certain set of values. And it unites them. So now. I'm saying to you, you're not going to find advanced civilizations that don't have a sense of religion within their empires. It might not be Christianity. It may be Islam. It may be Buddhism. It may be Hinduism. It may be something else. But you will find out that those places would not dare attempt to exist without having the ability to see beyond the human being. So I'm saying to you that the house of God will always be important. Always. Always. Even our government understands the necessity of the church. They will never do away with the church. Now they might try to modify the church, make it more secular than spiritual, or penalize you for not being as liberal as the federal government would have us to be. But they would nevertheless, they would nonetheless ever take away the presence of religion nor church in a country. God's, God wants to be known among all others, but he wants to be king of kings and lord of lords. So... Then the next call of this text is to raise up leadership. Because you see God going, speaking to his messenger Haggai, and what does he do? 
You guys give me a couple of minutes. So what does he do? He sends Haggai to Zerubbabel and Joshua. He sends them to the governor and the high priest. See, when God begins to restore something, he does it in order. He does it with Zerubbabel, and then he does it with Joshua, and then he talks about Shetiel, where they come from, Jehozadak, where Joshua comes from, and then he says, and the people. You see, apostolic order. See, when God does things, he does things decent and in order. So when you're going to see a move of kingdom builders, one of the things that you're going to see is the restoration of the apostolic. You're going to see God raising up leaders. And people that cannot follow leadership cannot be used by God in this regime. Am I making sense? And so then the next thing we see the call of the text is to reprioritize giving. And God wants us to know that all silver and gold belongs to him. None of this stuff is yours. And when you die, every cent you have is staying right here. Ain't, listen, you, you're not Pharaoh and it ain't going to the afterlife. Neither did his stuff. Soon as he, listen, when, they, when, when some uh, folk that was doing excavation found his tombs, they said, Lord, we rich. Off of Pharaoh's money. I mean, because if you don't take that stuff with you, everything you have. Listen, if the rapture were to take place right now, in the next 30 seconds, only thing would be left in here is about half the church and, listen, and, and clothes and jewelry and glasses. Like, say if April was just taken up, this, this chair, would, her glasses would fall all the clothes, the jewelry, the shoes, it would be right here. And God would take her up. Everything stays. And so let's say she's not raptured. She's buried. You put her in the casket. Once she goes through the decomposition process, all that stuff's going to be left right there. You don't take this stuff with you. So now, so it's talking about reprioritizing giving. Now then... Lastly, it is the revitalizing of their spiritual lives. It says that God came and moved the spirit of the people. That there was a spiritual moving. That was a revival of the spirit in order to get the work done. The, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That which God has called us to do can only be done by us cooperating with the leading, the guiding, and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Which means you and I must become more spiritually sensitive. Because you're going to have to have some intimacy with the Spirit of God. Now, I know that might be very, you know, ethereal for some people, just really out there. But you're going to have to learn how to deal with spiritual things. And spiritual things, at some level, bypasses your intellect. They're too deep for you to understand. That's why some things you just got to believe God. I don't know how he's going to do it. I just believe he's going to do it. I don't know all the details and so forth. Let me tell you something. Last week when we had that 
message and all you folk that were standing and all the folk that were standing that had not been consistent in tithing. Uh, it was a, a, just a testament of the power of God to me personally. Uh, I don't know how our ministry has done the things that it has done with so many people having been consistent in their financial giving. But this is what happens. When God moves, he makes sense, not make sense. Are you hearing me? <laughs> when, when God moves, he makes sense, not make sense. And that's what I want. Because if I can understand it, guess what? I probably can put it together. <laughs> so if I can understand how it goes, then I probably can construct how, you know, how to do it. But God is trying to move with you and I, beloved, by stirring our spirits in order to get the work of God done. Let's build this kingdom. Let's bring the vision to pass. Let's touch nations. Let's do it because it is our higher call. Man, I know that's an exciting word. Um, but now you just can't leave it there. You got to continue listening. Why don't you order MP3 or MP4 version of that message? But also, you know, I always, when I present series with you, also have complimentary <clears throat> books that complement the series. And you need to order a copy of that, of the book, Kingdom Builders, you know, uh, the Lord said, except the Lord build a house, they that uh, labor, labor in vain. And listen, God is trying to build not only uh, the house of God, but he's trying to build your house as well. And in this series, we're going to have a great time discussing kingdom builders. Are you a builder? Well, listen, this is a wonderful time to start building <clears throat> right after COVID, a new normal is happening, so it's time now to rebuild. Well, I want you also to pray about helping us build and expand the work of the kingdom by sharing uh, a seed. Um, your seed goes a long way in helping us to reach the globe with the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm going to be praying that as you sow, that the Lord will bless your life immensely. The Bible says, whatsoever man sow, that shall he also reap. If you have a need in your life, sow a seed. <clears throat> Wherever there is a need, sow a seed. And watch God uh, bring and present a harvest in your life. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for the kingdom builders that are listening to my voice. God, I pray now that you would raise them up and bless their lives more than they could ever realize as they help build and expand the kingdom of God uh, here uh, through the work of the gospel. Now, Father, I pray that they would sow seeds that would support the work. And as they sow seed, that God, you would bless them because you said in your word, you provide seed to the sower. And so God, I pray now that you would bless them based upon the seed that they sow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. And we're going to have a great time all this week. 
discussing kingdom buildings. Until next time, shalom. God bless. The Kingdom Theological Seminary offers a quality yet affordable theological education for those seeking to increase their kingdom biblical knowledge. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the only seminary of its kind that provides biblical training with a kingdom of God emphasis based on the original context of Jesus, void of the effects of the Romanization, Europeanization, colonization, westernization, and Americanization of the gospel. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is what we consider a disruptive seminary that takes a holistic approach to theological training. KTS is designed to prepare students for actual hands-on instruction that is customized to each learner's need. Oftentimes, when students complete the traditional model of seminary, they are unable to use 85% of the things that they learned in actual ministry. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is designed to prepare the learner for 21st century ministry that is based on your interests and ministry areas of focus. KTS allows you to customize your education to fit your individual ministry needs. You can choose the certification modules or individual classes that can be applied toward your degree. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is truly disruptive. We don't force a set of unusable courses on you and waste your time and money. Instead, each student is able to put together their own cluster of certifications that best fit their ministry needs. The Kingdom Theological Seminary is the seminary of the future and will rapidly secure a space in this 21st century ministry culture. It is designed to meet the needs of a plethora of new non-denominational church fellowships that desire their clergy to be trained in the most effective, efficient, and relevant manner possible, utilizing modern technology and cutting-edge methodologies. For more information about the Kingdom Theological Seminary or to enroll in the KTS waiting list for the fall semester, visit us at ktseminary.com. We are training 21st century kingdom leaders like you at the Kingdom Theological Seminary.